G'day humans, welcome to the safe space for dangerous ideas. It is time today for the Friday panel, where two of Australia's most captivating minds gently hand pluck a bespoke selection of the week's most scintillating stories, like a pair of exotic birds gently regurgitate those stories into your and my grateful ear holes. With us today, Jesse Stevens and Sarah Wilson. Hello, Jesse. Hello, Sarah. Thank Hi. You it's the first time we're trying this. Do you like the set? If you're not watching this on YouTube, you should go and check it out on YouTube because there's a very pretty set and a couple of very pretty ladies, <laughs> might I add. That's a good way to get started. Isn't that nice? Yeah. A couple of broads. Yeah, and, and a I couple think we got of sexy with birds, birds, didn't we? Yes, yes, yes. A couple exactly of sexy. Right. No, the birds yeah. is just, that's just, I oh, always no, say that, no, even no. if it's a guy. If this is on YouTube, it's like, Sarah and Jesse call out sexism in capital letters, and Let's, then you're you looking angry. Expression? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> That'll work well for the audio no. podcast. <laughs> sharp expression. Um, first story: A judge in Delaware has voided Elon Musk's payout. He was supposed to get fifty-five billion dollars as the boss of Tesla. Mm. U.S. Yes, thank you for adding that. Mm. Uh, not talking in Italian. Uh, Lira, Lira, Lira. <laughs> um, so the shareholders, I don't, this, but this this goes quite a long way back, right? This is not like he's just given this to himself. This He put this in years ago saying that if Tesla's uh, performance exceeds XYZ metrics or XYZ uh, for mm. our American listeners, yeah, I'm always inclusive, uh, then he's going to get, you know, the, so, so much compensation. Yeah. So the wild compensation is a result of the wild overperformance of Tesla. Mm. Is it fair for that to be clawed back from him because it's now uh, what the judge calls an excessive amount? Well, I mean, the background to that is that I think shareholders have kicked up a stink and have flagged that the, the board of directors, who are, I think have got a bit of a reputation for being yes men, uh, predominantly yes men. Right. Um, yes birds. The, as well. Yes birds. I think maybe <laughs> probably one, a couple of yes birds. One or in two. There. Yeah. Um, I think um, I think they're claiming that the process was not a proper process, and in fact, Elon just kind of dumped it on, on them, and they were it was beholden upon them to to, to pass it through. Such yeah. is Elon's general way of doing things. Right, but isn't if you're like the creator of everything, don't you get to do that? Is he though? I mean, this is the story he puts out there. There's always that counter argument as well that. I think a lot of commentators are speaking to now as we're all starting to go, is Elon that great? Um, is that the government subsidies, would Tesla be there? Would SpaceX exist mm. if he hadn't got all of those government subsidies? There's a whole bunch of things that people are starting to question, well, I think, in terms of his unquestioned But, I mean, just because the government, I mean, of course the government subsidises space travel, like the government needs to send lots of things into space. So, but the, if you flip the question and say, would someone else have been doing SpaceX if the government subsidies existed, but Elon Musk did not? Yeah. I don't think it necessarily would. I think you do need, I think he is the indispensable figure in all of this. The government, government money will come and government money will go, mm. but there's only one person who has created like three world-changing companies. Yeah, but I think that this was a little bit manipulative is what they're saying, that it was almost like Elon Musk was negotiating with Elon Musk over this. Like That's because this... Elon Musk created everything. Yeah, but I don't mind going through billionaires, like going through Australia's rich list and going too much. Yeah. You have well, too, too much. Point is, and I think this is the point. I'm a bit of a um communist, call... socialist, <laughs> an absolute terrorist when it comes to tearing down or okay. very much robustly okay. questioning billionaires. And especially off the back of, I think, out of Davos, the latest Oxfam report that they generally put out at the same time said that um 
the five top billionaires doubled their wealth since 2020, while mm-hmm. the bottom the bottom five billion, the rest of us pretty much, um, have gone massively backwards. And I think the concern. Wait, that is we, that true? We yeah, haven't gone backwards. Five billion people have. We're not in that five billion. We're in the top. By what measurement are we? Uh, are they going backwards though? In terms of. Uh, poverty, we're talking numbers, real numbers, not even percentages. So this is a world... That's not true. I'll dig it up for you. That's not I true. I just wrote about it on my Substack the other week. Did you? Yeah, I got it. must told. be true then. <laughs> it's all Sarah Wilson's Substack. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 It was in the news last week. It was, last week. It was there, everywhere. Uh, like uh, hundreds of millions of people have been lifted out of poverty in the past 20 years. And, do we want know, to go down that Stephen Pinker, Bill Gates discussion? Yeah, you yeah. do right now? Sure. All right. Um, can I finish my point first, though, oh, the first okay. original one? So one of the concerns, and it's related, the concern I have, and I think this is the debate that we need to be having around this, is is much broader. We are living in a world where the experts are saying that um, the mass civil unrest, which is just, you know, simmering at the moment, so the polarisation, all of this kind of thing, um, can very much be point. we, we can point to larger and larger gaps in equality. Mm-hmm. That is the thing that's going to trigger and it's also the thing that's going to exacerbate um, the kind of collapse, the decline, uh, unrest that I think everybody is very concerned about at the moment. The anger and the discontent that exists within workplaces even, that you've got a CEO that's earning a 1,000 times, right. 600 times, whatever it is, um, more than their worker and then there are all these stats that come out that it would take you five lifetimes to earn what your CEO earns in a year or, or whatever. Yeah. And that's getting larger and larger. And as someone, I mean, I didn't grow up, my family's not business people, I didn't even, didn't grow up understanding it, but I look at CEOs and go, okay, but you're taking a risk, right? You're And you're going to wear the risk. But then COVID happened and it wasn't the CEOs that went under. Like if you look at a lot of the statistics, it's like they actually stayed very well afloat um and so you go are you actually wearing the risks here and elon musk i just think in in this case you go there's there's an issue with the system it's Mm. an astronomical unfathomable amount of money for anyone to make and i understand why they're doing it because they're thinking elon musk's time is divided at the moment. Like he's got all these projects yeah, and they're, they're going trying to Tesla, Tesla, into, yeah. into Tesla. I mean, but hang on, let me be the, the capitalist and also the anti-capitalist at the same time by saying, I think it's true that inequality is too high and there are like official measures of this, the Gini coefficient, which yeah. measures like overall inequality is getting to almost like Latin American levels in the United States and the and the UK. And but, global, the global Gini coefficient is is overall yes, um, right. the, the most it's ever been. I think you might be getting that confused with the poor people actually getting poorer because everyone's getting richer. It's just that the rich are getting richer at a faster pace than the poor are getting richer. Well, according to Oxfam, no, but I will... And I'll, you can put it in the show. All those commies. <laughs> those commies. I mean, they were probably part of the October 7th terrorist attacks as well. Probably. Um, the, so the inequality is bad. Lots of people just, you know, enjoy their privilege yeah. of going to private schools and going into finance and getting high paid jobs. And they should be taxed more and life should be easier for poor people and for the working poor. I don't see that as, sim- as in any way part of the conversation about Elon Musk. Elon Musk is a once in a generation freak. Like, he is a quasi-autistic, like, asshole boy genius who, just because he's becoming a, a nasty, like, bitter Twitter troll, does not detract from the fact with that... With a messiah complex. With a messiah complex. Yeah. Does not detract from the fact that he has revolutionised our approach to climate change by making electric cars cool. He's revolutionised 
you know, the mm. automotive industry, he's revolutionized space travel. He is an extremely influential person. And I think if you're one of those people, if you're a Thomas Edison or a Steve Jobs or an Elon Musk, yeah, you get to just say, I'm going to take $55 billion of the value that I pro- have produced. Yeah, the I value that would been... not, the $55 billion that would not exist. And much, much more. He's been financially compensated. <laughs> he's a richest man in the world already. He's worth $210 billion. It's like to have this, clearly like the state is is sort of going, this isn't sustainable, this doesn't make sense. Even when you look at the numbers, it didn't entirely make sense that he's written it in that he'll earn this amount and blah. Like they've, they've clearly looked at it and gone, mm. this isn't making sense. I mean, why can't they just keep all of it? Why, not, why, why stop at $55 billion? Well, it's that, his. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't and, exist without him. That and I think the, there are broader discussions that we can have and shareholders can, you know, can go to the, the court. Was it the Supreme Court, was it? No, Delaware? it was a Delaware. Delaware well, it yeah, was a Delaware, Delaware court because rather, that's where his rather. business is yes. incorporated. Yeah. Delaware is, if you look at the incorporate where almost all the big companies are incorporated in the United States, it's Delaware because it's supposed to have that? very friendly, it's supposed to be a very pro Company state, yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, it's not, not so pro company so that it's willing now. to go along with it. And yeah. he tweeted out saying, "I would advise anyone who's incorporating a company in the United States not to go to Delaware." But that's just sour grapes. Yeah. I, look, boohoo. I mean, maybe that's my the best answer I can give. Boohoo <laughs> in terms of Elon, but I think that it. I see it as signifying a great thing that people are actually pushing back against this rampant runaway wealth. It is We're all suckling at the Elon teat and someday that cow's going to dry up and you're not going to be you're going to be left with no more electric cars. Well, while he's pissing off to Mars, right, the rest of us will be kind of, I don't know, going back saved to subsistence by, Saved by and, his, and his attempts to battle climate change, <laughs> I suppose. Mm. Uh, look, uh, the second story today is uh, the big Australian news, but it has ramifications for for people all over the rest of the world as well, which is that these tax cuts, which the previous Conservative government had promised, which were due to be phased in over a period of period of stages, with the biggest tax cuts for the top end of town kicking in uh, in the, in stage three, which was due to drop next year, uh, the incoming the Labor government, the centre left government, which had just uh, we don't need to see the, the, that video anymore if we're still on it, um, the centre left government came in got came into power by before the election they were like. Don't worry, we're going to keep all of these tax cuts. If you're super wealthy and you're worried about us going full socialist on you, you're going to be able to keep all of your tax cuts. We probably turned promise. it around mm-hmm. and they've gotten rid of the stage three tax cuts anyway, which raises the question, should politicians do what they think is right or should they do what they promised to do, Jesse? I think they should do what they think is right. And I want a government that looks at the evidence, looks at the current climate, looks at the current issues that they're being presented with and pivots. Because I've looked closely at, at these and gone, yeah, they make sense. Like, and I think it's something like 90% of us are going to be better off. So I, the coalition is clearly going to go down the line of lies, lies, liars, because that's the best kind of political angle they've got. But I think it's going to be 
difficult to turn people on this when they look closely at what has actually been done. Like, I love your faith that people look closely at things. <laughs> They're just going to say liars, like, but when the, like more money for you. Yeah, you're like, when the average voter actually starts reading the 923-page document that the government has put out, they will then come around. But I think, um, look, the Labor Party's in a good position because um, it is actually a good news story. So I think Julia Gillard, um, there's also John Howard that got hauled over the coals for going back on a promise, an election promise. They their pivot was to something that would put Australians, most Australians, mm. in a a worse off position. So this one is a good news story. What were their broken promises? One uh, was GST. GST, and then what was Julia Gillard? Julia, one? Wait, that tax. wasn't a broken promise. Yeah. GST wasn't a broken Julia promise because he took a time. Julia, yeah, no, both, hang on. John Howard didn't. And now I sound really conservative and capitalist. <laughs> John Howard, who was Australia's second longest serving prime minister and a uh, conservative icon, he didn't break a promise he went to an election saying that if he wins the election there'd never be a gst no so he had said there will never be a goods and services tax in australia yeah and then he said y- years later we- let's do this there should be a goods and services tax but he said it before an election and he said so vote us in and we'll do it to me that's different yes because okay. then you're that's you're, he, you're not yeah. like you're not you are going you are changing your mm. mind about something but you're not foisting it on the people after having been elected saying you were going to do told it. You're giving a, them an opportunity. It was a non-core to... promise as well. Um, yeah, that's I remember right. that, that line as well. Yeah, but, look, I mean, I think the thing is um, I, I, I'm with Jess on this. I want a government that actually does adjust and is agile and moves with where they want to go. And circumstances have certainly changed. I think there's also, I'm sure you would have come across um, that work that was written a decade or so ago called On Bullshit by Henry Frankfurt, I think it is, an American philosopher. But he makes that distinction between lying and bullshitting. There was a philosopher who literally wrote a book called On Bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Literally. Um, Took the title I'm sure we all would like to have on our own. (laughs) But um, so, so lying is very different to bullshitting. Lying is something where you've got an awareness of the truth um, and you, you're you doing something that then does contravene. Bullshitting is showing a disregard for the truth. So I don't think in this mm. case, um, you know, Anthony Albanese went into the election thinking that, oh, I don't, I don't really care whether I keep this promise or not. You know, and I think this is where I think a lot... Wait, so are you saying he was bullshitting or lying? I... I think it's the type of lie that's not bullshit, if you know what I mean. A bullshit lie is the kind that I think many Australians really rile up against. Where is that when they you feel were seriously about this in the first place? This like was, they feel manipulated yes. sort of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he did that. I think you're right. Yeah, I think that this is just a new set of, an exceptional set of circumstances. Wait, I'm confused. Of of I don't think for a second that he thought that he was going to... Keep the promise. Keep the promise. I think he knew that he was. You think he did it just to get? I think really? every. I think everybody except extremely ideological conservatives and very rich people knew that the stage three tax cuts were a joke, giving that much money to to the super rich. Mm. That like they were a way to smuggle in that the tax stage one and two, which were the tax cuts for for normal income earners, that those were a way of opening the door to the postponed tax cuts that were quite beyond the pale. And there's no way that Labor, mm. that led the centre-left party, would have wanted to go along with that. And they probably knew that at some stage, if they could, and if the political circumstances were right, mm. they'd reverse they it. would reverse that. But 
Mm-hmm. How do you think it's going to fare for them? Like, because but calling a politician a liar is like the oldest, you know. I mean, uh, yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, did I just turn Swedish? <laughs> yeah, that's his thing for the question. Um, I don't know whether or not people Dub care about... Dub hasn't got a leg to stand on. That's no. the opposition All... leader, the conservative. Yeah, sorry for our American We've got friends. a lot of Americans. Yeah, so, so he'll get shouty because that's mm. all he does is get really, really shouty. Um, and it's going to be the, there's going to be two stories to tell. If the Labor Party get it right, they they don't try to explain stage three tax cuts to the yeah. Australian people. They just go, you're going to be better off, right? Yeah. Things yeah. change. We yeah. want to make sure you're not left out. We want everybody to move ahead. And out. there are still some some tax cuts, right? They're, yeah. they're not abolishing all of them. No. They're just skewing it more towards the lower end of town. Yeah, yeah. lower to middle income earners um, don't fare as badly is, is I guess how you could say it. Dutton, however, all he can do is go lies, lies, lies. And I think we're a little bit sick of it. The flip side also is if he gets into power, how's he going to reverse that? So if I was a Labor Party and if I were a journalist, I'd be pinning down to making a promise that he's not going to reverse it or he will reverse it. In which case, that's which very case, unpopular. That's yeah. very unpopular. That's right. So yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. He's, he's, he's because if you were just going to bring in the stage three tax cuts as a standalone policy, you're gonna look everyone would cruel. hate them. Yeah. The, uh, they were only palatable because they were t- tied to more reasonable yeah. tax cuts for everybody in stage one and two. We've already gotten those tax cuts. So to go into an election promising to bring in stage three... Yeah. yeah, would look pretty Unless he can peg it to Labor is ruining a insert barbecue, you know, weekend or something. There's something that... The yeah, private jet brigade. That's the, it. Yeah. 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 The private yeah. brigade. The PJ. PJ. Yeah, no, I mean, I... And Jesse, to your question of, like, will, will it damage... I mean, I've I've read a lot, like, my mate Peter Van Onselen was writing in the... He's a political, you know, analyst and uh, economics writer... And he was writing in the Australian saying this is this is going to be hugely damaging to Anthony Albanese because they're not going to be able to make any promises before the next election that anyone will take seriously. So all of the boogeymen that the conservative opposition party likes to scare people with about what will happen if the if the left re- retains control, then become more plausible. Like mm. they might get rid of negative gearing, which is this, you know, property tax regime that we have in Australia that benefits the wealthy, or they might, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever it is. But and and none of their insistences that they're not going to do those things will count as much as they would have had they stuck by the stage three tax cuts. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, and and again, that depends on how much the average Australian pays attention to the news story. If they just I mean, it see just has to be liar. repeatedly pointed out, though, doesn't it? By the opposition yes they lied about this so you can't trust them about that Mm. yes but i think that if it's clarified that if stage it it depends on what the shorthand of stage three tax cuts ends up meaning if it's synonymous with lie or if it's synonymous with better living standards or or better you know better situation for the average australian and it depends on who wins and i think it's It's a communication telling yeah and there's an opportunity here i think to actually tell quite a good story i think you know you're you're a father of two young kids like you can explain to a child, all right, mummy and daddy said that they would never divorce. However, situations change. <laughs> and, and this is what what you, what have you been doing on my part? No, what, what should I know? <laughs> but kids can follow that, right? I mean, life yeah. is full of adults, well-meaning adults, um, even if they're caught up in the politics of the time, making promises and then things change and you have to explain Why to someone. Why don't they not make the a promise? Why don't they have I, the I cojones to just yeah. go, you know what? 
It's a bad we'll policy. See how we go. We'll see how we go. Yeah, look, I think it, I'd love that too. I Josh, would like but... it. You know, Albanese could have stood up there and said, personally, those tax cuts offend me. If it were up to me, I wouldn't. I would never have conceived of that policy. At the moment, you know, let's not worry about that. It's a couple of years True. down the track. I, yeah. I suppose then they would just say, oh, they'll run a whole scare campaign about how your taxes are going to go up under Labor. Exactly. Or, you know, stay the but, same. Under I Labor. mean, this is a topic that comes up constantly. American friends would well be well aware of this um, uh, in their own country. I mean, you're damned if you do, you're damned if yeah. you don't. And the polarisation and the screaming and yelling and shoutiness, it, it is exceedingly difficult. I agree that I think there. I think we are moving in an into an era where some really fair dinkum honesty and really good storytelling could actually shift things. Yeah. And um, Anthony Albanese could have done that pre-election. I agree, um, but it was so touch and go as to whether he would get in. Mm. And so you know, mm. desperate times caused call, call for those horrible, you know futile, juvenile kind of statements. Um, but, yeah, now that he's in power, he's in, you know, he's he's probably in a position where he can actually tell a nice, a good story around it that speaks to the maturity that we're all wanting to be treated with. Mm. Mm. We're all wanting to rise to a mature, more mature uh, way of going about things instead of being dragged back into this fragmentation and bifurcation, which it's just it's horrible to mm. observe. It really is horrible. It's the second kind of war that's going on. There's the other battles that are going out there on in the world, in politics and the Middle East and so on. And then there's the fact that we're not handling things war, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, so maybe Jesse and I might be idealist here. But <laughs> no, I mean, I'm fine with it. I mean, and it comes back to the bullshit thing as well because once people feel like there's no one to trust, the response can be this kind of nihilism towards truth, truth at all. Mm. Yeah. And, like, the greatest avatar of the bullshit phenomenon is Donald Trump. And mm. where at all you know Vladimir Putin, where it's yeah exactly they don't lie in order to get you to believe the lie they lie in order to corrode the idea yeah. that there's any truth yeah. at all and that you know that anyone it's and create almost, chaos it's almost like he won by saying I'm going to lie to you but I'll lie directly to your face and you'll know that I'm lying yeah. instead of being a sneaky sniveling Hillary Clinton type liar who you know, who's in bed with lobbyists and, mm. uh, you know, the code Washington for, elite. Well, code for also sitting around large conference rooms, committees, dealing with multitude of opinions and interest groups to come up with a decision that is invariably watered down and compromised. I mean, yes. that's how politics works. Yeah. Um, Trump sidesteps that. Mm, exactly. Mm. And then gets nothing done mm. as a result. Uh, there's a new ad campaign in Australia against vaping, big crackdowns on vaping in Australia. It's now illegal to, to buy or sell uh, nicotine. First vape. country in the world, isn't Unless it? Unless you get, is it? Mm, I felt yeah. like the New Zealanders or some, New Zealanders or some other communists would have tracked to authoritarian. <laughs> we're we're we first when it comes to cigarette we're, type things. We're first. We? we are the nanny state. Mm. We are the ultimate nanny state. This one I agree with, though. I've got to say, if you're driving along Moore Park Road at forty kilometres an hour with the speed cameras snapping at you and you're vaping in a nic with a nicotine vape. Then do you go to jail forever, or do you get headed <laughs> if you get caught? Oh, or wow, what? great point. Yeah. Might, I think we also need to give some context here as to what Moore Park Road is. It's a <laughs> <laughs> it's a road where the speed limit is too slow. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's like a it's, it's like, like an eight lane freeway where the speed limit 40, is literally yeah, yeah twenty five miles yeah. an hour but do you know or why? forty kilometers an hour. It's a bloody sport. Every well, now and then, yeah, it's a once every three months, it's, it's right next to the stadium. Yeah. 
So once every three months there are drunk... And that's a great revenue raiser. ...football fans hmm. staggering across the road. Make it 40 kilometres an hour once a month. Well, there's, there's police there at all times. Anyway, back to the vaping. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's illegal. So you need to go to your doctor and get a prescription now and you're going to be able to go to the, um, the pharmacy and get a script for a uh, nicotine vape if you're a smoker. Apart from that, not supposed to do anything. We've got these ad campaigns talking with young people about how surprisingly addictive vaping was and how they couldn't stop and everything. Is that okay? What about... I, yeah, I, I think it has to be. I think it's like a desperate time calls for desperate measures. Like the fact my mates who are vaping were never cigarette smokers. They Why won't did they do start doing it? Because it doesn't stink. Because they're it idiots. It does stink. It all smells like strawberry. Yes, yeah. but it doesn't it have It like bubblegum. I think that what we did so incredibly well... It doesn't have a stink. Yes, exactly mm. right. And what we did so well in Australia was make it ugly. To be on the side of the street with a cigarette became synonymous with it was almost yeah. a working class thing. It was almost... I mean, it's um, worse than the, working class. Yeah, yes. the way, it, the way it, it smells, the way it looks, it just it, it became so uncool that then what happened with the vapes is that they came in, they didn't stink, they were kind of cool because people would go, well, what's that? This is even mm. just five years ago. Um, and I've got mates who, again, would never pick up a cigarette, but you're sitting there having brunch with them yeah. and they can't sit at a table for 20 minutes because they've got to run over and start sucking on the vape. Right. And or they just do suck on the vape anywhere and anywhere. everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, with the exception, with the possibility of an aeroplane, I've seen people vape everywhere yeah like everywhere well the airplane thing i was at the airport recently and i got pulled over by security i was pregnant and my bump like went off in the thing and i had to go and get packed down with the whole thing anyway wait your embryo yes it must have had some metal in there or something Mm. and i got pulled into a room and the woman was a bit chatty because we were waiting and she said you got pulled into a room yes i had to be touched up really sounds like iran yes that's (laughs) right exactly well they're gone at the logical To hear the rest of this conversation, go to uncomfortableconversations.substack.com slash listen and you will get your own personal premium podcast feed with at least three extra episodes of the podcast every month and heaps of extra stuff, including the remainder right now of the fabulous conversation you've just been hearing. If it was worth listening to this much of, don't rob yourself of the rest. Pull out your phone right now and search for Uncomfortable Conversations with Substack. 